Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is growing your online e-commerce business with a remote workforce. Today's guests are the founders of Kindred Bravely. Bravely. In 2009, Kindred Bravely was named number 20 on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing privately held U.S. companies. They also won the Shopify Build a Bigger Business competition in 2017 as one of the eight fastest growing online retailers on the Shopify platform. This married team of entrepreneurs is here to talk e-commerce. A big hello to Garrett and Deanne Ackerson. Hi, guys. Hi, Andy. Hi. Hi. Well, let's start off our conversation uh, talking about your, your company, Kindred Bravely. What, what do you sell? When do you start? All that good stuff. Well, Kindred Bravely was founded in 2015, and we make a full line of women's intimates for pregnancy, postpartum, and the nursing journey. So we specialize in bras, but we have underwear, loungewear, pajamas, and all kinds of cozy things to keep uh, moms comfortable. And in 2019, you were named number 20 on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing privately held companies. That's really quick, four years, but, you know, going back before 2019, when was it that you really thought you were onto something? It was probably in 2017 when we won the Shopify Build a Bigger Business competition. Um, and, you know, things really began to scale that year. Definitely to answer your question, definitely realized we were onto something Mm-hmm. by the time um, that came, maybe even in late 2016. We had actually started with just one product, which was a pair of nursing pajamas, because that was what I needed as a, a breastfeeding mom. But as soon as we introduced bras, those, um, those really took off, because ask all the women in your lives, everyone is looking for a comfortable bra, and there's just more, more of those in demand. So I think once we began to interview do some more full line of bras. I, I think that's when I had confidence that, you know, we were, we were onto something. Yeah. I think for me, I knew we would succeed all along. And I think for Deanne, it probably took a little bit longer. And in particular, once we launched bras, I think we saw sales markedly increase pajamas at the time we hadn't realized are a little seasonal, not entirely, mm-hmm. but certainly there's a lot more pajama sales in Q4 around the holidays, it's both winter and a nice gifting item, so. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Now, I see back in 2018, you were doing 9.6 million annual sales and your staff said with a remote team of work-at-home moms. So you guys had a remote workforce even before COVID? Yeah, completely. It was 
uh, sort of by design and also a bit by accident. But at, as we were looking for our first hire, we didn't have an office. And so we were looking for someone that was comfortable working from home. And we also didn't have a lot of work for that first employee. So I think she only worked maybe 12 or 15 hours a week. And uh, so it was, you know, we, we looked for a mom who wanted to work part-time. She knew our customers. She knew how to talk to them about profit. And it was just, it ended up being a really natural fit to hire other work from home moms who wanted to be part of what we were building. They were the perfect employees to talk to our customers. Yeah. I think at the time in 2015, when we started, we certainly didn't want to go into an office. And to Dion's point, we didn't have an office just starting out. It was very much that entire first year, something we did in the evenings. I was running another company, a digital advertising, uh, small boutique agency. And Deanne was teaching math at the local high school. So it was, you know, when we started, it was just the two of us working in the evening. And then that uh, second year, 2016, when we hired our first team member, it just kind of naturally made sense to start hiring remote. And then we just we built from there. Now, many entrepreneurs are, are a bit leery about going remote with their workforce, but they've kind of been forced into it now with COVID to, a, to a, at least to a degree. Right. How have you been able to build a reliable remote team? I think a lot of that is company culture. Certainly, I'm sure Dan has some to add here too, but for me... I don't, it was never a fear of like, oh no, you know, is this employee getting their work done or are they on task or off task? Uh, I think for us in early on, it was very much us setting a culture of when you're on your, we'd say when you're on, you're on. And when you're off, you're off. Um, Very simple kind of phrase, but just really it parenting and working at the same time just rob you of the joys of parenting and then and they rob you of, of hopefully of the joys of working as well and feeling like you're contributing to a, a greater cause in a team so I think we've been really clear on boundaries uh, and we're very uh, outcome driven so it's pretty apparent right away like if a team member isn't pulling their weight and I don't know, Deanna, do you have more to add to that? Yeah, I mean, everyone is has a very specific job. So to Garrett's point, you don't need to see them coming to work and occupying a desk to know if they're busy. You can come to work, be physically there, and still not be an effective team member. But it's very easy to know when someone is, is not completing their work because we specialize And, you know, we work by 90 day sprints and employees, employees want to be successful and succeed. So when, whether or not they're doing it on a traditional like nine to five, or if they work when the kids are napping and then again, you know, later at night, we don't really care when an employee is working as long as the work is getting done. Okay. So very, very loose hours, but really goal oriented, it sounds like. Yeah, we say that you have to overlap at least four of your working hours with nine to five Pacific because we have team members now all across the U.S., Canada, Philippines, uh, Ukraine, and Dubai. 
And so you do have to have at least an overlap. So we as a team can communicate. Okay. But to Deanne mentioned, we, we, in the early stages, designed something called 90 day sprints. So we borrowed a little bit from agile and from programming and kind of how to, how to work, uh, how teams work in the agile framework, but then kind of spread it out. So we take 90 days and then those get broken down into two six week segments. And then each of those get broken down into two week segments. And so it's really apparent, like, okay, are you working towards your task? Are you getting it done? Mm -hmm. Whatever that bigger project is. And then on the smaller day-to-day -day stuff, uh, Deanne mentioned as well, everyone on our team from uh, early on, we've always hired specialists. So very few, certainly in the early days, generalists on our team. So for example, when we started hiring and building out the team for social media, we hired an Instagram manager, a Pinterest manager, a Facebook manager, and an email marketing manager. It's very easy to see results if you have one person managing Instagram. Okay, right, is it growing? Right. Is it meeting the metrics you set, et cetera, et cetera. Now, let's, let's talk about that staff for, for a second. You said you guys hired specialists. What type of positions are remote, and are there any positions that are in-house? We we have almost all positions remote. Uh, of course, warehousing is in-house and the design team that's actually touching the fabrics and trims and those uh, types of things are at least half the time um, in person. So they, they do have to be San Diego County based. But other than that, uh, all other positions, you know, customer care, uh, marketing, uh, you, you name it, finance, they're, they're all remote. Now, have you guys found any challenges or, or struggles that you've had to overcome with building that remote team? I think communication is probably the biggest challenge to overcome. And I don't know if that goes away when you're in, in the office. We do have to be really intentional about our communication. Uh, team members definitely have to be effective at written communication because a lot of what gets communicated does come through, um, you know, we have a lot of tools like Slack, uh, Asana for project management. So if someone is, is really not good with written communication, um, it, it would be hard to thrive. But communication in general and just making sure people feel connected, heard is it's a challenge, but I think it's a challenge for any organization that is is growing. Now, growing how, yeah. how, how often do you check in with your employees? Is it like a daily meeting? Is it once a week? How, how does that work? Yeah, great question. So we have an all team meeting on Fridays. So everyone gets together on Fridays. And then on a team basis now that we're, so we're about 80 employees now. Mm -hmm. uh, and so once, as we've scaled, it's very much kind of departmental or project-based. So if you're in the marketing department, you're, you're meeting once a week for the marketing department meeting. And then you would also be in the all team meeting, but then you might be in like a sub smaller group where you're working on, you know, email or copy or, um, or web. So those uh, typically you'll have standing meetings for that. So you probably have two to three set meetings a week that are like reoccurring. Huh. And then we do a lot of just, you know, let's hop on a, a quick Google Hangout. 
or let's hop on a Zoom meeting. Uh, as Dan mentioned, we use Slack. So I think part of supporting a remote workforce is getting your tech stack set up to enable that. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, it's so easy with Zoom, Google Hangouts. We use G Suite for everything. So being able to you know, upload and share all our, our documents in Google Drive and collaborate on them. And then most of our communication is happening via Slack. And it's, you know, it can be at any time of the day. And even sometimes in the evenings, you kind of learn like who works late and who works early. You know, you can reach out and Slack someone say, hey, do you have a minute to hang out? Or I was looking for, you know, this or how's this project going? And- <laughs> yeah, I like that term. You can reach out and Slack somebody, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, switching subjects for for just a minute. I see you guys sell on products on your own website and then on Amazon as well. What are your thoughts on doing that? Is there um, a strategy behind that selling on Amazon as well? Is I mean, what what percentage of your sales comes from Amazon compared to your own site? Yeah, so definitely, I would say a hot topic whether or not to sell on Amazon. Uh, or not. And, you know, for us, so we, when we launched in 2015, we launched on Amazon and Shopify at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we did it for several reasons. One, we knew Amazon had the search volume and the demand. I think anytime you're starting, if you're doing a startup in the D2C space today, it's, it's, it's hard to get traction, right? Unless you have a, like a really strong muscle, I think in one kind of marketing channel, like maybe you're really good at affiliate marketing or really good at influencers or, you know, TikTok or something else. I think it's, uh, it's, it's challenging to get that coverage unless you have really deep pockets and you can spend on, you know, paid social, although that's changed a lot as well. So really in 2015, it just made sense because we knew our customer was there. So I think part of it is your customer on Amazon. Are, are your products search driven or are they just lifestyle kind of aspirational? Ours are very search driven, at least a large part of the catalog is. Right. You need a nursing bra. You're typing in nursing bra. In Amazon, yeah. And so we made the decision from day one to launch on, on Amazon and our own store. And in fact, early days, we actually concentrated much more on Amazon and building that channel and just let that or not let foster growth on Amazon until Amazon was making enough money that it actually supported pouring a lot of money into paid social. So we didn't really start in on social, paid social, Google search, Google pay-per-click mm-hmm. until 2017, almost two years in. Now that you have grown into a known brand, how much of the sales have remained on Amazon versus through your own website. Yeah, so that's really shifted. If, like I said, if you were in 2015, 2016, it, we would have been 95% probably Amazon. And whereas today that shifted to, you know, maybe 30, 35%, some months 25%, but very much shifted um, the other way, more like two thirds, one third. Two thirds on your own website? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, are there any other platforms other than, than your own website and, and Amazon that you sell your products on? 
Not really. Uh, we have a few very small retail partners um, that we have partnered with across the U.S., but in terms of volume, it's really Amazon and uh, our own website. You know, that being said, we sell some on Nordstrom online. But again, to Dan's point, these are very small numbers just because the marketplace is so large on, on Amazon. And then we've, we've done, or the team has done an amazing job at really building out kinderbravely.com. But, you know, we sell on Zappos, we sell on Nordstrom online, we sell on FAIR, just small, use FAIR for smaller boutiques, but it's really not a large portion of our business. Now, personally, are there any um, business books out there that you would attribute to success on your journey as entrepreneurs? I think Deanne has a favorite mentor, but before she hops in and talks about that, uh, I would say my favorite business book still, and I've read it a couple times, is The Road Less Stupid by Keith uh -huh. Cunningham. And uh, it's just a wealth of knowledge. I'll have to, I haven't heard of that one, but I, I love the title. Yeah, it's so good. It, we've attended some of his conferences and once you have heard him talk, it's like he's almost shouting off the pages to you and it just gets in your head in a very good way. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what, what about you, um, Dan? Garrett had mentioned that you had um, yeah. a coach or? Well, it, it, I was influenced very strongly when we went to a business conference early on by one of the speakers named Jeff Hoffman. He's one of the former founders of Priceline. And um, although I didn't get this from a book, it's still probably the most influential advice. You know, he spoke about a lot, but one thing that really stuck with me um, is he said to fall in love with your customer and not your product. And that hit me in such a way because at the time I was so product focused. I mean, this all began out of my need for a pair of breastfeeding pajamas. So I was, I was in love with my products. I was in love with the fabric, the buttery feel, how soft and amazing they were. I was definitely in love with my products and the two bras we had brought to market by then. And when I heard him talk and say that it really shifted something in my head. Cause he said, if you're successful, you're going to be knocked off. You're going to be copied products come and go, but your customer is there forever. And so when you, you really focus on your customer and who you are serving, it takes you right to the next innovation, the next product, what you can do to, to really serve them and make their life better. So um, yeah, that was definitely the most uh, influential piece of business advice I ever had. Now, that's great advice, by the way. Now, this next question is for Garrett. You know, I read somewhere that you really need to be passionate about your product. And maybe this goes to what Deanne just said, but Garrett, are you passionate about um, your product? <laughs> That's a good question. A <laughs> uh, short answer is yes. I, I'm certainly in the minority. We are, um, uh, by we, I mean the, the guys, uh, the men in the company are certainly in the minority. Um, I think for me, what I'm most passionate, the product one is amazing. I don't know that personally, but you know, Deanne is, um, is the designer, original designer anyway, and um, has always designed for what she knew she 
wanted and, and would love. So I think the bar is you have to have great product. And from all the feedback from everyone else, it's clear from our customer that the product is amazing. And don't lie, you steal my joggers. <laughs> now, now the truth is exposed. <laughs> we actually have a team joke because there's about five uh, employees whose husbands have stolen their joggers. So <laughs> now, it's not only for moms. <laughs> now, Kindred Brave, Bravely, is it's an interesting name for a company. Is there a story behind the name? Yeah, Kindred comes from the fact that as soon as you are pregnant or have a little one, or really if you're even trying to have a little one, you kind of join this, this sisterhood of other women. And there's this instant connection. You, you can see another mom in the same life phase as you, another pregnant woman walking around, somebody else with a little one at the store or the park. And you just feel connected without ever having exchanged you know, words at all. Like there's just this connection, this kindred sisterhood that does exist when you are uh, pregnant and, and breastfeeding. And then no, bravely, because bravely, yeah. it's hard. The sleep deprivation is real. Like try getting up every two to four hours uh, for the next eight months and see how you feel. Uh, it's not the bravery that you see in movies, but it's there. It's the kind of bravery that you know, you keep going, even when you have a sick kiddo, a teething kiddo, you know, you have spit up or breast milk on your shirt. You haven't showered in a couple of days. Like it's that silent bravery of moms that, you know, we want to encourage and we want her to know that she's not alone during this time and that we get her. So thanks for asking that. That's where the name comes from. Now, what do you think has been the biggest reason why you've been able to, to scale your brand to where you are now? I, I think two main factors. I think the first one being marketing acumen. You can have a phenomenal product in 2021 and still get nowhere if you don't have someone on your team that fundamentally understands how to market the product. And, you know, that encompasses everything from price point to how you're gonna you know, increase AOV, what your LTM looks like, how are you gonna keep you know, a cost down? And it's, it's more competitive than ever. So I think any team, if there's a founder and they do not have marketing expertise, like deep marketing expertise, I think it's, it's a, it's a real uphill battle. You could have a phenomenal product and just get nowhere because no one will ever hear about it. So either I think you need a co-founder that has that, or you need to hire relatively quickly for someone that really can drive growth. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, I think the bar is you have to have a phenomenal product. There's plenty of brands out there that can scale to a certain extent without, without phenomenal product, but I think it really hinders growth and, and they don't, they just do not scale as well as obviously with brands with great product. Now, what are some of your long-term goals when it comes to, to Kindred Bravely? Well, our mission is a comfortable nursing bra in every mother's wardrobe. So we still have a ways to go on that. <laughs> That'll keep us going for a few years. <laughs> are you guys, are you international as well? Or are you in 
We sell a little, we sell a little bit in Canada through Amazon, but primarily US only at this point. Yeah, I think continued expansion, uh, certainly a lot of opportunity to expand internationally and still to Deanne's point, uh, a lot of new moms that haven't heard of Kinder Bravely. Would you like to sell your company someday? You know, that's a great question. Uh, we did a majority recap this last year. So we did sell um, some of it, a percentage of it to a private equity firm out of New York. And um, I think we're more than, uh, more than satisfied with that, or I don't know the right word, but uh, so far we're really happy with uh, them as a partner, I guess is the, the easy thing to, kind of the easy way to put it. So I think, um, you know, in the life of every brand, not every, but if, if I look back at brands that have managed to scale, you know, the Warby Parkers, the Lululemons of the world, at some point it makes sense to bring in uh, an outside partner. And so we, we made the decision to do that this last year. Now, before we wrap it up today, what is some advice that you can give to other e-commerce store owners out there that, that want to grow their brand? Great don't, question. Yeah, don't don't give up. It is, it is not easy at first. <laughs> um, make sure it's something that you feel like working for for the next five years and just keep trying. If, if something didn't work, then that's one thing to try differently the next day. Every day is a chance to try something different until, you know, you get that traction and, you know, get things moving. Surround yourself with people that maybe have done it before or can give you advice so you don't have to try blindly for too long. Yeah, I think I think certainly don't don't give up, right? It's a long, lonely road and find others that are on that journey uh, or or have already done it is, is a big one. And then I think really making sure that you have a solid understanding of your metrics, your KPIs, and how they all work in, in concert with each other. And really understanding the nuts and bolts of the business of, okay, if my A cost is $43 and my AOV is 67, am I gonna make money? So there's, you know, really- uh, Know your numbers. Know, know your, your numbers. numbers. Yeah. yeah. Your Don't numbers. fly blind. <laughs> Fail forward, get a mentor, know your numbers. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? Hey, uh, I would say happy to help. Uh, speaking of which, if anybody you know wants to reach out, we're an, an open book and um, always happy to help out another entrepreneur on their journey. So thank you, Andy. This is, this is a lot of fun. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Now, for listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Garrett, Deanne, or Kindred Bravely, head over to www.kindredbravely.com. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our all-new podcast resource center available at www.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all the different past guests by show topic and included their contact information in case you want more information about any services on any of the previous episodes. Again, go to www.makeeachclickcount.com and click on the link for Podcast Resource Center found in the top navigation. Whew. 
That's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.